You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Well, as Esther said uh, this morning, it is Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday today, seven weeks after Easter, and the day across the world where the church remembers the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But, but really my prayer today as I open the Bible for a, a few minutes is that we would grasp that we are not looking back on an event that happened, but we are celebrating a reality of the Holy Spirit, not just poured out then, but poured out now, and continuing to being poured out on all flesh, which includes us. And uh, over the last four weeks, we've been teaching into the person of the Holy Spirit, our, our Holy Spirit series. And uh, the, the person of the Holy Spirit, when I say person of the Holy Spirit, I don't mean human, but we understand that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is God. And we can talk to Him. And He will talk to us. And we can let Him guide us. We can let Him change us. We can worship Him. We can adore Him. We can exalt Him. We can learn to walk in step with Him. And I encourage you to seek to do that in your life. Um, some, some have been asking, how, how do I learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit? And, and I want to point you to a bonus session. This is like, you know, when there's an album, there's like a bonus. There's a bonus session. Uh, Young Adults Life Night, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we looked at how does the Holy Spirit guide us or, or, or how can we be guided by the Holy Spirit, including how do I hear the voice of the Holy Spirit? And you can find that, uh, not, not a video version, but the audio version podcast uh, through our website, silemchurch.co.uk forward slash sermons, if that's something that you're seeking to step into. And in many ways today, it's also a Holy Spirit bonus session because we are here on Pentecost Sunday. I want to take us to Pentecost, consider the impacts of Pentecost. The title of my message is Bigger. Bigger. It's just one word. I've not done many one-word sermons, but this is it today. Bigger. I wonder if we can all say bigger. bigger. Because I want us to grasp that the impact of Pentecost is bigger than most of us have realized. That the impact of Pentecost was definitely bigger than the early disciples upon whom the Spirit first fell, much more than they realized. That actually if we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us and work in us, He will make us bigger people. He will enlarge us. He will increase us. I'm not talking about taller or fatter, but He will make you a bigger person more resilient, more empowered, with a bigger vision for your life. He will do something with your life. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. He will lift us and He will make us bigger. You know, sometimes in life we think something little is happening and then we look back uh, years later or, or a time later and we realize that actually it was a lot bigger. Who knows what I'm talking about? Like when Esther said, can we touch up the paint on the stairs? Like it, it was a little thing, but it turned out to be a lot bigger than I realized. Because you paint one bit and then you have to paint the next bit and then you've painted the whole stairs in London. And the touching up. It's like when I said to Esther last year, um, I've seen a YouTube video and I think it would be easy to lay a patio. <laughs> let, let me tell you, you know, don't be deceived by those two minute, this is super easy YouTube videos. I, I want to tell you it was bigger. In, in, 20, in 2011... Uh, John Partington, then who was the national leader for Assemblies of God, got in touch with us and invited us uh, for a coffee. He said, do you want to meet for a coffee? 
We said, sure, I like coffee. He said, meet me in Coventry. I said, sure. He said, meet me at a church called CLM. I said, sure. Uh, has it got parking? Yeah, come and park in the car park. Uh, and so we came and, and, and had coffee. And then he said, I want you to pray about coming here and pastoring the church here. Let me tell you, it was not a coffee. It was bigger. By the time we'd moved house and moved jobs and moved communities and moved our kids' schools and started to pastor this church, for which I thank God, by the way, but let me tell you, it was not a coffee. In 1995, at the end of an evening service in our church, a student came up to talk to me. Her name was Esther. And uh, we, we connected. We'd met a couple of weeks earlier. In fact, she'd cycled into a 6.30 a.m. prayer meeting. This was in January, minus three degrees. She'd cycled in. I'd heard her pray. I mean, I've got to be honest, I had noticed her. <laughs> but that evening, we, we found out that we were going to the same place after the service, which was a, a big student house of, of like Christian students. And we walked down together and we were talking. And then when we got to the house, we got into different conversations with different people. And, and, and the night moved on. Uh, and I remember time came to leave and I, and I went to leave the house and I got to the front door and I don't know why but I, as I got to the front door to leave I, I just looked back into the house and at that moment Esther was coming out of another room and she stopped. There were people in the way of us but our eyes locked and we held gaze for just a little bit longer than was normal. <laughs> to anyone else it was a little gaze but I want to tell you it was bigger because <laughs> so, something happened. I mean, now, 25 years later of marriage and, and three big kids and, yeah, it was not a glance. It was bigger. Why don't we all say bigger? I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit wants to do something bigger in your life than you've yet realized. Don't confuse, please, don't confuse the pouring out of the Spirit in Acts 2 as a moment. You can look at it, you can read it, and it's a moment. It happened, it was a moment. But I want to tell you, it was the beginning of a great momentum in the earth that continues to this day, the Holy Spirit being poured out in the earth. Don't, don't, don't confuse the pouring out of the Spirit in Acts chapter 2 as an event because it was the beginning of an era. As an old hymn we resurfaced a few years ago, Oh God of burning, cleansing flame, send the fire again. And, uh, and there's a line in that that says, we need another Pentecost, send the fire again. And, and my pastor, David Sherman, uh, used to like, he didn't like that song at all. He said, we don't need another Pentecost. You go, it's still Pentecost. And he was right. What he's saying was, it, we, we, don't, we don't need, oh God, like pour your spirit out like you did then. The Holy Spirit's poured out. I understand we pray for a move of God and we hear about moves of God, but the Holy Spirit's part. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you don't need another Pentecost. You need an open heart. And it'll come. It's still Pentecost. On this Pentecost Sunday, we're not looking back to celebrate all those years ago. We're celebrating that the Holy Spirit continues to be poured out. Why don't we turn to the book of Acts? And uh, in many ways, I'd love us to track through the whole of chapters 1 and 2 for time. We'll just pull out some verses and I'll fill in the gaps. Jesus has been crucified and raised and the Bible tells us that he's teaching, um, he's teaching the, the disciples about the kingdom of God. 
And then he says this to them. This is Acts 1, 4. On one occasion while he was eating with them, this is the risen Jesus before he ascended to the Father. He gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You'll be immersed in the Holy Spirit. You'll be overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered round him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. And the Bible says they were looking up like, as to where he'd gone and an angel came and spoke to them. And then they did what he had told them to do, which was wait. And they gathered and they prayed. They just continued to pray. In fact, Acts 1.14 says they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers, 120 of them. And then the day of Pentecost came. Several days after they'd been having this prayer meeting, the day of Pentecost came. The, the Pentecost was a, a Jewish festival, the Feast of Weeks. It was the celebration of the first harvest, which is interesting. We'll think about that in a moment. And it says this, Acts 2, 1, 4, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them or other languages. And the Bible tells us that there were Jews from every nation, every nation, so the Bible says, had gathered in Jerusalem and every one of them heard their own language, their familiar language being spoken by the disciples. Some of them were, were, were so confused by, by this supernatural occurrence that they said, uh, I think it's drunkenness. And Peter stands up and addresses the crowd. He raises his voice, the Bible says, and addresses the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you, this is Acts 2, 14 to 18, who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, can we all say last days? Let, let, me, let me just just understand this. If Peter was saying it's the last days, then I, I want to suggest that it must still be the last days. It, it, it's the even laster days. But if that was the last days, then we're still in the last days, right? And so Joel didn't say on one last day, on one of the last days I'll put, he said in, in, in that time, which is still now, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days and they'll prophesy. And he continues his sermon and, and he turns to Jesus and he teaches about Jesus and he explains how Jesus is the Messiah, the promised one, the anointed one, the holy one. And he reminds them that they've crucified him, but God has raised him from the dead. And this is the final portion I'll read. This is Acts 2.36. Uh, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, 
Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, friends, when we, when we celebrate Christmas, we, we don't just celebrate the birth of another baby. We celebrate the incarnation that God became human and made his dwelling among us that for our sake he was manifest in the flesh and he walked among us that, that only the God-man could bridge between humanity and divinity and Jesus was it. So we, we celebrate what happened in Bethlehem because of how it impacts us today, right? That, well, that's why I think we, we celebrate. Lots of great people have been born, not as great as Jesus, but we don't celebrate their birthdays in the way that we celebrate Christmas because their birthdays, they, they don't impact us like Jesus' birth impacts us. Not impacted some people back in. Not, not, we're not celebrating for the shepherds. We're celebrating for us. For us men and for our salvation, he became flesh. Hello? Is it just me? You know what? When we celebrate the cross, we, 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 don't, we don't remember the death of a good man. Although Jesus did die and he was alone good. We celebrate that God made a way for us on the cross. And it didn't just impact the people who were there, who observed it. It impacts us. That I can be forgiven. Anyone thankful for the cross? We celebrate Good Friday because it impacts us. Not because it's history, but because it's present reality. We celebrate the resurrection, not because Mary Magdalene and the disciples had a good day 2,000 years ago, but because Jesus is alive and his being alive changes us. Hello? You're very quiet today. I want to tell you, Jesus is alive. Are you still thinking about Coventry City? Let me tell you, Jesus is alive. And we celebrate Easter because his life gives life to us. I'm alive because he's alive. I will be alive when my time has come and I, and I am laid to rest. It's like Billy Graham. He said, when you hear that I am dead, don't you believe a word of it? He says, I will be more alive on that day than I have ever been. This is why we celebrate Easter. Why am I saying this? Because we celebrate Pentecost, not because the disciples had a spiritual experience, but because the Holy Spirit is poured out upon all flesh. That means the Holy Spirit is poured out on us. Or the Holy Spirit can be poured out on us if our hearts will be open to him. This is why we celebrate Pentecost Sunday. And for many of us, it is bigger than we have yet realized. The disciples thought it was just for them, but it was bigger. They thought it was just for the Jews, but when Cornelius' household got filled with the Holy Spirit, they realized it was bigger. They thought it was just going to be in Jerusalem until the church got persecuted. And then they actually remembered when Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, to Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. He meant it. It was bigger. And, and gradually it starts to dawn on them. Let me encourage you today that uh, if you think that being filled with the Holy Spirit is about being able to speak in tongues, I want you to know it's bigger. I am a big advocate for speaking in tongues. If Paul the Apostle said, I speak in tongues more than all of you, then we should be wise to, to try and speak in tongues more than anybody else. And I have learned the key in my own life 
that some people come to me, they say, like, how do you grow spiritually? One of the keys is to speak in tongues. I don't mean casually, occasionally. I mean, you know, 15, 30 minutes of a day praying in the Spirit. Something will happen. I physically, when the Bible says when a man prays in tongues, he edifies himself, means build himself up. I can physically experience the difference. Normally after 10, 15 minutes of praying in the Spirit, I feel bigger on the inside. It's a key. I believe in speaking in tongues. But I want to tell you that, that actually if you think, getting, I, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit and I've spoken in tongues. Woohoo, that's it. That's not it. It's bigger. Being filled with, it's a start. It's a great start. And it's a continuous key. It's a tool in your life to grow. You should use it and exercise it. But, but don't think that's it. Because it's bigger. In fact, have you ever thought about the living God? I'm talking about the God who created the heavens and the earth here. I'm talking about God Almighty. I'm talking about the one who's a consuming fire. I'm talking about the one who will judge the living and the dead. I'm talking about the one who's Alpha and Omega, who's before the beginning and will be after the end, whatever that means. Have you ever thought about if that, this God, of which there is only one, the only living God, can you imagine if God was to come and dwell in a human person? I mean, if it wasn't true, we would think it unthinkable. Only it has become reality. Do you not think if the living God was to come and dwell in you, it would make you a little bigger? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But I kind of think if God Almighty came into me, I would be a little less fearful. I would be a little more resilient. I would have a little more power. I would be a little wiser. Would you not think if God Almighty came to dwell in me, would it not make me a little bigger? I think it would make us bigger. This is why we should seek after the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Five thoughts for us briefly today. The Holy Spirit, he comes to make us bigger. He comes to make you bigger. In fact, why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, he's come to make you bigger. I tell you, he's come to make you bigger. He's come to grow you. He's come to expand you. Number one, he emboldens for witness. He makes us bigger for a start because he comes to deal with our timidity. He comes, to he comes within us to deal with our timidity. Do you notice how bold the disciples become? Something, I mean, Peter stands up. The, if 3,000 responded to the message, there was at least 3,000. He stands up, he addresses the crowd, he, he, he preaches. You know, something happens when the Holy Spirit fills us, we're emboldened. For life, he emboldened us for the fight. In fact, Jesus says, uh, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. This is the primary, the, the number one stated reason for the Holy Spirit being given in order that we might be emboldened for witness, that he might come and help us to know what to say, that he might come and be upon us that we might be witnesses. I thank God for the people we have seen come through to faith. I thank God for the, the 20 people or so on Alpha who've all either become Christians or are on a, a great journey of giving their lives. I thank God for, for people that have responded to Christ. We, we began this year praying, Lord, make us a soul winning church. And let me tell you, I'm believing to go from strength to strength by the grace of God to personally be a soul winner, for us to be a soul winning church, but that we might be emboldened for witness, in Acts chapter 5, the Sadducees called the apostles in and had them flogged. Just think about that. They flogged them, physically beat them, and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and then let them go. 
So they're flogged. They're physically beaten and told not to say anything more about Jesus. And this is what it says. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they've been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. And day after day in temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news of Jesus. So that worked. The, the flogging and the warning. No, because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were not afraid. In Acts chapter 8, the church comes under heavy persecution. The Bible tells us after Stephen's death that, that all the church is scattered across Samaria except for the apostles. So the apostles remain in Jerusalem, but everybody else. It says in chapter 4 that there were 5,000 men. So if there's also 5,000 women, and let's say there's 10,000 children, the church in chapter 4 is 20,000 people. And by chapter 8, I don't know. But even if it hasn't grown over those chapters, 20,000 people are scattered. And it says, wherever they went, they preached. The ordinary people. Those who have been scattered preached the word wherever they went. You know, the day of Pentecost, the festival of weeks, the, the celebration of harvest. Isn't it, isn't it interesting? The Holy Spirit comes. When does he come? These, these things, they're, they're, they're so significant. If you look at the scriptures, the significance of the festivals and what happens and when Jesus speaks and, when the, and the Holy Spirit comes at harvest festival. What does that tell us? He's there to embolden us for witness, for the harvest. And I'll encourage us that we would seek to be spirit-filled people, that we might be emboldened for witness, because some of us can get timid. Some of us can, can be self-conscious. Some of us can struggle to share our faith. And, and if that's you, you are not alone. This is normal, but the Holy Spirit comes to break us out of that, to make us bigger people, that we might share and do you know what? We're called uh, not all to be evangelists, but to be witnesses. A you know, witness just shares their story. They say, this is what I saw. Uh, recently, I had a conversation with a university professor who told me that he was an atheist. And he, uh, and, and he told me all the things he was. I don't think he was showing off. I think he was just kind of giving me the context. But he's going to have read Darwin and I've read Richard Dawkins and, and, uh, and uh, you know, he, I've read the philosophers uh, Plato, Socrates, and, and, and I'm thinking, I haven't read any of them. And I very quickly knew that intellectually, I did not stand a chance to overcome this guy. But after he talked for a good while, I said, would it be okay if I shared my story? And I told him what had happened in my family. I told him what it is to know God. I told him what it, what it was when I invited Jesus into my life. And he came and he changed me and he cleansed me. I told him what it is to experience the presence of God and the reality of God. And by the time we finished our conversation, he, he actually said, I, I think looking back, God has been at work in my life over many years. Says an atheist. I was just a witness. I, 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 couldn't, I, I couldn't spar with him on, on Dawkins and Darwin. But I could tell him what happened to me. And you can tell someone what happened to you. You can tell someone the reality of Jesus. He secondly empowers for miracles. The Holy Spirit comes to empower for miracles. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at the gifts of the Holy Spirit. What I mean here, he comes to bring another dimension to your life. That you might be able to lay hands on the sick and, then, and they recover. That, that you might sense God speaking to you about someone at the next desk or or over the garden fence, or whatever your context of connection, or in the gym, somebody. Oh God, you just might feel something, and, and the Holy Spirit, He is empowering you for a supernatural dimension to your life. This is what happens to the disciples. 
at the gate beautiful. Peter and John, silver and gold we have not got, but, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And then we see the supernatural spreading throughout the book of Acts. Even shadows and handkerchiefs falling and people being, being healed. But then it's, it's not just the apostles. And Paul writes to the church of Corinth years later, and he says, when I came to you, I did not come with wise and persuasive words, but I came with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And then he writes on and he says, brothers and sisters, where we were two weeks ago, I do not want you to be ignorant because this is for all. Can we say all? He urges us to move in the gifts. I remember as a new Christian kneeling by my bed each night and asking God to show me who he particularly wanted me to pray for. What I was re- it wasn't that I was passionate about prayer. I wanted to hear his voice. And it was the safest way I could think of, of learning to discern his voice. And I would wait, and, and often someone would come to mind, and I would pray for them. And whenever I said to them, I don't always say, but sometimes i say, hey, I was, I was praying for you last night. And they'd always say, oh, wow, that's amazing, because I was going through this. And I, I started to incubate an, an, an ability to hear the voice of the Lord. I've never been pregnant, um, but um, I would imagine speaking to, to ladies, that, that when a lady's first pregnant and they first um, sense the baby kick, they're not certain that it's the baby kicking. That's what ladies who've been pregnant have told me anyway. And, and they, they kind of think, I think that was the baby, but it's never happened before. It, like it, maybe it was just me. Maybe it was a twitch. Maybe it was wind. Maybe it was last night's pizza. But I think it was the baby. But by baby number four, they know exactly when the baby kicks. It's, we're to learn to hear the voice of the Lord. A few years ago, I was in Malaysia. I had a, a chance meeting with a, a, a German Christian leader who, on his return from his travels in Southeast Asia, was going back to Germany to lead a a coming together, a unity movement among the churches. And when we met in Malaysia, he didn't know anything of the Holy Spirit's infilling and the Holy Spirit's power. And remember us being put together and and, and we had this this conversation. As we're praying, I saw a vision. I don't get many pictures, but I saw this river and I saw a building on a river and it was so vivid and it started to unfold some other things and and I started to share with him and his jaw dropped because I was describing to him Bremen, the city of Bremen, and the very building where he was gonna go and begin a new job. And when I had finished talking to him, he was so open to the idea that God could speak that we spoke a little more. He got filled with the Holy Spirit, began speaking in tongues, and went back to Germany, a changed man. But I want to encourage us. This is not just for people that stand on a platform. I just knelt by my bed and said, God, I want to learn to hear your voice. But the Holy Spirit has come to enable you to move in miracles, to to step out, to be bigger, to bring another dimension to your world. You know, without the Holy Spirit, I would probably have spent my life working in an office and doing up my house on the weekend. And there's nothing wrong with working in an office if you're working in an office. But I want to suggest to you, God wants your life to be more than that. And it's something amazing when the Almighty God Himself works through us. Thirdly, He enlarges the unity. Without the Holy Spirit, we're so limited that most of us, we'd just be hanging out with people like us. Do you see how Pentecost transforms the disciples? They went from jostling for position to loving and serving one another. At Pentecost, the, the Holy Spirit's poured out and they speak 
in, in every language and something of God's great vision, the revelation vision of, of, of people from every tribe and kindred coming together. That if they didn't catch it then, they caught it when the Holy Spirit fell at Cornelius' house. They, they caught it in Acts 13 when the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Saul and Barnabas for the work to which I have called them. And they got sent out into the uttermost parts of the earth. They started to understand that they started to understand that the Holy Spirit in us wants to make us bigger, wants to give us a bigger perspective, wants us to catch God's vision for all all nations. You know, in Acts chapter 6, the Greek Jews, the Hellenistic Jews are being overlooked by the Hebraic Jews. And uh, it's, it's some favoritism. Uh, it's potentially racial discrimination. And they say, we need to choose some people to oversee this delicate situation. And they had two criteria. The first one of which, they must be people that are full of the Holy Spirit. Wow. This is the criteria for this job. Full of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because if we're full of the Holy Spirit, we'll have a heart for all people, a love for all people, a unity, a desire in our hearts. The, the Bible says, keep the unity of the Spirit, capital S, not, not a spiritual unity. The unity of Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit loves unity. The Holy Spirit has a heart for all nations and for all people. Whatever background, whatever economic, educational background, whatever color, whatever ethnicity, the Holy Spirit, his heart is for all. And when he comes within us, he makes us bigger because we get a heart for all. I thank God for this church. It's a taste of heaven. Multicultural. You know, I grew up in a white middle. We can't, none of us can help our backgrounds, right? You, you can't help where you're born, the family that, that you grow up in. But and mine was a white middle class context. And I went to a white middle class school and I hung out with white middle class people. And then I met the Holy Spirit. And now I'm with Esther pastoring a church of all nations. Thank God, because otherwise I would have, I'd have got to heaven and I'd have had a big shock when it wasn't white middle class congregation. Right? I'd have had a big shock. But we get to practice it and, and the Holy Spirit does something in us. Can I suggest, if you only hang out with people like you, allow yourself to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You'll become a, he'll make you bigger. It's enriching. I, I didn't, I didn't know. You know, on, uh, la, this week just gone, uh, Obadiah and Dagma uh, got married. And it was great. Everyone got a snack box. And it made me smile because in the snack box, there was a piece of cake, a puff puff, and a samosa. And, and, and I thought, this is CLM. This is like, this is us. In it, I, I didn't know what puff puff was when I was fifteen, <laughs> and I probably never eaten a samosa. But thank God, the, but the Holy Spirit makes us bigger. In four weeks' time, we're going to have an All Nations morning where we celebrate our diversity together, and we're going to encourage you to to come in your native attire if you have native attire. But if 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 you if you have native attire, have some mercy on those of us that are British. Because we never know what to wear on those days. It's like, you know, the Nigerians are there in their fine attire. And they look amazing. And, uh, and the Kenyans are there in their fine attire. And they look amazing. And, and the Filipinos and the Indians and, the pa and everyone, the Pakistanis. And everyone looks amazing except the Brits who are going, I, I don't know what to wear. Like, it, shall I just come as I normally come? Is, like, is jeans and t-shirt our attire? Is that it? Is that our attire? People scrambling around to find a football shirt or something. I mean, it's like, have mercy on us. 
But I tell you what, the Holy Spirit will make you bigger. He's not only come to enable you to speak in tongues. He's come to grow you. He's come to expand your vision. He's come to expand your heart. He's come to give you a bigger heart. He's come to give you a heart for people who are not like you. Fourthly, he enables for service. The Holy Spirit makes us bigger by dealing with our selfishness if we let him. Where Esther was last week, oh, if we just lean in. If we lean in, the Holy Spirit will change us from the inside out. His fruit will be born in us. You know, we're, we're so selfish without him. It's part of what Pentecost does, a spirit-filled people. Do you notice what happens in the book of Acts? Acts 2, it says all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property. I mean, it's not to put 10 pounds in the offering. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Acts 4 All the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed any of their possessions was their own. They shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in all of them. There was no needy person among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sale, put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to any who had need. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit. He'll change us. He'll make us from tight-fisted to generous. He'll turn us from small-minded to big-minded. You know, let me tell you, it's small people who only look after themselves. It's big people who seek to serve others, that have a heart for others, that, that extend themselves for others. That say, I'm not just here for me, I'm, I'm here for others. The Holy Spirit will do that in us. And finally, he envisions for greater impact. He makes us bigger by dealing with our small-mindedness. Do you notice the verses that we read? Jesus uh, says, in, in a few days, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And do you know the question they ask? It turns out to be, they don't realize it, but it turns out to be the last question they ever asked Jesus. Wow. Can you imagine if they'd known? This is, this is their last question. And he's just said, you're about to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And you might have thought they might say, what's that going to do to us? They say, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? That's it. Their focus is on us. Are you, uh, Lord, are you going to do something for us? I don't know what you've just said about the Holy Spirit, but what about us? And Jesus says, oh, don't, don't worry about the times and the seasons, but let me tell you this. Power's going to come on you. And actually, you, never mind Israel. You, you'll start in Jerusalem, but I'm going to take you to Judea. I'm going to take you to Samaria, people that, that you didn't think you liked. And you're going to start to love them. I, I'm, in fact, I'm going to take you to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's bigger. It's bigger than they'd realized. The vision was bigger. The, the, vision, the vision for your life is bigger. Oh, if you let the Holy Spirit in, let me tell you, His vision for you is bigger. His vision for this house is bigger. Every year, He's stretched us. He's extended our borders. We come in prayer and fasting and and, and come and say, oh God, you know, Esther and myself are like, oh God, would you just let us consolidate? But then you catch the heart of the Holy Spirit and he's seeing other people that we're not seeing, that he wants us to go and reach because his vision's bigger. I feel like I've been on stretch for 30 years. Seriously. I reached the age of, th- age of 35 I, before I could contemplate the idea of being a, being a, if I say lead pastor, you understand what I mean? of a church. I didn't think I could do it. I didn't think I was that person. I thought I could support someone else. I, I didn't think I could do it. But I, I, I hadn't allowed myself to catch the Holy Spirit's vision for my life. He'll make you bigger. 
He'll grow you. He'll keep growing us. He'll keep stretching us. I know it's not always comfortable. When we move to two sites, it, it, you know, so, some, of, some of the convenience of all of this. I don't know if we'll have a full band. Every, every, I, I don't know. But it's, it's not about us because he's got a vision. Oh, it'll, it'll grow. It'll grow. It'll work. But he, but he sees something bigger than we've seen. It's what he does. It's what the Holy Spirit will do. He won't just enable you to speak in tongues. He will, he'll expand you. He'll enlarge you. He'll give you a bigger vision for your life of what your life can be and what your life can do. He made the disciples bigger. These unschooled fishermen. It was taken note they'd been with Jesus. Is it just they'd hung out with Jesus? It was the Holy Spirit in them. It transformed them. They were different. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they, 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 they couldn't really explain it because these guys, they'd not been through all the stages of, of Hebrew education, but something was on them and something was in them and it was the Holy Spirit and they were bigger. Oh, my friends, I want to tell you. I want to speak to some people as we finish today because I, I wonder whether there's somebody here who'd be willing to, to lay your life down afresh. It could, could be for the first time, but more likely afresh to say, Lord, here I am. Would you make this life bigger? Would you use me? Would you do with me what you want to do with me? Well, particularly when we're younger, and this doesn't have to be a young person's response, but when we're younger, we have our lives ahead of us and our future ahead of us. We're trying to work out what God wants to do with our lives, but I wonder if someone would come today and say, here I am, Lord, would you use this life? Would you make it bigger? Would you do something with me? You know, when I, when I have turned over into a new decade, I, I mean, I, I realize this because something deep happened to me when I was 50 a couple of years ago, and I, I'll maybe talk about it sometime. And I realized that every time I'd had a decade shift into my 20s, into my 30s, into my 40s, and then into my 50s, the Lord brought me to a place of complete resurrender of my life again, laying down everything, saying, Lord, whatever, wherever, whenever, all the things that are dear to me, they are on the altar. And if you want to take them away from my life, you can take them away from my life. And then what has happened in my life is, is as I've moved on from that place of resurrender, he's increased my responsibility. He's enlarged my life. And I wonder if we could stand together today. And in a moment, I'm going to invite, if anyone wants to come out of your seat and say, Lord, here I am, would you use this life? Would you make it bigger for your glory? Do whatever you want with it. And if we say, Lord, do whatever you want with it, I understand we, we have to be willing that he's going to make it smaller. But I've never met someone who surrendered their life and he made their life smaller. Unless the seed falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, then it will be multiplied. That's what the Lord does. I've seen it over 35 years. Not a single person that has surrendered their life has the Lord made their life smaller. It might take us through times of testing and constriction and dying and challenge, but, but, but only to bring us into resurrection life. But I wonder just before that if, 
if we can open up our hearts and our hands, if we're willing to say, Lord, come and fill me afresh. I need you, Holy Spirit. I need you that you might make me bigger, bolder for witness, empowered for miracles, enlarged for unity, enabled for service. Lord, that, that you might envision me for impact, God. So why don't we just open up our hearts and our hands and I'm going to invite you to begin to pray where you are. Please don't rely on the sound of the preacher's prayer, but pray for yourself. Pray where you are. Say, Holy Spirit, I need you. Come and fill me afresh. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Go on, church. Let's lift our voices together. Let's begin to pray. We need you, Lord. We need your power in our lives. We need you, Holy Spirit. We need you to make us bigger. We need you to take us on from where we are. Would you come and fill us afresh, we pray. And I wonder, as, as the band get ready to lead us in a song, if there are any that would respond today and say, here's my life, Lord. Do with it what you want to do with it. Then if that's you, I'm going to invite you to come out of your seat and come down the front. Just take a step. Say, God, here I am. Do something with my life. There are others need to come. These, these moments, they can be powerful points of faith for us. Here I am, Lord. Use me. Do whatever you want to do with me. Some others, you need to just, just shoulder tap the person that's blocking you in your row and say, I need to make a move. I'm coming. Here I am, Lord. 